You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you for that. That was a blessing. All right, keep your Bibles open. Uh, Matthew chapter number 12, and let's look at these verses again as our text tonight. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it. Uh, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with the gen- this generation and shall condemn it because they repented, at the, they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Here we find the scribes and the Pharisees, they were... They were looking for a sign. Now, if you go back in the passage a little bit, there was another group of Pharisees that uh, were, were mocking. They were argue, arguing back and forth with the Lord. And I don't believe that this is the same group. I think this is a part of that group of Pharisees. And, and as they are asking, I think they're honestly asking a question. You know, people that are unbelievers, they still have questions. There are those that are scoffers, and there are those that just simply have a question. Questions are not bad. It just depends on where you're coming at the question, from the question. There are times that people will ask questions, and it's not that they want an answer. It is that they want to argue. But then there are times where people just have a question and they just don't understand and they, you want to be able to give them an answer. Now here the Lord as he is dealing with this and he's recognizing these individuals, he tells them that the, the, uh, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now that's pretty straightforward. He just called them adulterers and adulteresses. He just said, you're immoral. That's what what he was saying. And he was calling it out uh, as adultery. And so here the Lord is is still, uh, he is the, the religious crowd is the one that he had the most problems with. You know what? As believers, uh, when you're trying to serve the Lord, it's not always the ones that are that are evil, that are going to be your biggest fight. Sometimes it's people that are believers. Sometimes it's somebody that you sit across from in church. And they will be the stumbling block. Sometimes it's a person who professes to be a believer and wants to tear down everything that you believe. Isn't it amazing when you go knock on somebody's door, hey, we're out from the church, and they are upset and mad. We had a, we had a recording of someone on the voicemail, and they were just irate that we had left a flyer on their door. Irate. And, uh, and then 
it, I mean, they went off, and then it was, now, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, if somebody wants to leave a track on my door, uh, as a believer, I would rejoice that somebody was out trying to share the gospel. <laughs> uh, but it's amazing how people who profess to be believers don't act like believers. But here the Lord is dealing with these, and they are obviously they are unbelievers. And, and the Lord gives some direction, he, and he gives some clarification here. And he said, uh, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And tonight I want to I want to preach to you, I want to speak to you on the, the title. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. And Lord, as I'm looking out, I'm not looking at a bunch of scribes and Pharisees. I'm not looking at unbelievers. Uh, Lord, I'm looking at a group of people that are here because they want to be uh, in church. They want to grow. There are people that are watching online right now that uh, have set this side a time, uh, time aside and uh, Lord, they are desiring, Lord, to hear from heaven. And I pray that you would help all of us from our point in life, from our point uh, in our journey. I pray that you would help us to be able to just uh, take some truths here and, uh, Lord, just uh, uh, give us what we need as we look at your word tonight, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. This group, they were seeking a sign. They wanted... They wanted Jesus to give them proof that he was the Christ. Give us a sign. Give us some proof that you are the Messiah. You know what? Jesus doesn't owe us anything. And a matter of fact, not only does he not owe us, here he says, you're not going to get a sign. Because a sign had already been given. Now, when we think about this sign that had been given, we try to think, okay, how is, how is this a sign? And we're going to roll back a little bit, and we're going to end up in the book of Jonah. Not quite yet, uh, but we're going to end up uh, in Jonah uh, and see where they were at. But here, they wanted a sign. And the Lord tells them that there will not be a sign. Uh, there, there will be proof, but it was, uh, was going to be a defining sign that would be given for all eternity. It was a sign that was uh, going to be used uh, to, to, uh, uh, to show uh, who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he is the promised one, he is the Christ. And so that sign had already been given. The sign had been given of what was going to later take place, and it was the sign of Jonah. So let's look first of all uh, at uh, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 40 again, Matthew 12 and verse 40. He said, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. 
the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came for the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So the Lord points back. First of all, uh, he points back in a place called Nineveh. So first of all, I want to see, number one, the condition of the lost. The condition of the lost. He goes back to, to Nineveh, and what do we find? Uh, take your Bibles, go to Nineveh chapter number 3. And we find the Jonah chapter, Nineveh chapter 3. Uh, I saw a bunch of heads pop up and look at me. I knew I'd said something wrong. Uh, Jonah chapter number 3. Uh, and you, you know the story. Jonah had been called by God to go to, uh, to Nineveh and preach a message to them. The Ninevites were an evil. They were a wicked people. Uh, they were a cruel people. History states that, that the Ninevites would uh, fillet a person alive if they did not like them. And so uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I have, how many of you have ever filleted a fish? You know what? Filleting a fish is not always easy. And filleting a fish isn't always a clean job. Brother Aaron, how many times have you filleted a fish and all of a sudden, whoops, took a little too much meat right there, or not enough, or have to start over again? And you know, here they say that, that uh, the people of Nineveh, they would fillet a person. You know, it was, it was a wicked place. Jonah, he went the other direction. You know the story. You know how, how Jonah now is running from God. And as Jonah ran from God, uh, God prepared a great fish. And people say, well, uh, Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. Well, Jesus in Matthew 12 said the great fish was a whale. So it was a whale. Uh, I think Jesus knew what kind of fish he created to put Jonah in. Uh, and so, just because they did not give the name of the fish back in uh, Jonah does not mean that Jesus didn't know what kind of fish it was. Uh, so it was a whale, and here now uh, the Lord tells us that a whale had swallowed Jonah, uh, and they cast him out. He's swallowed by this whale as he is in the belly of the whale, and he's there for three days and three nights. You talk about some time for repentance? Have you, ever, have you ever disobeyed the Lord and thought, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? Jonah was in that spot, but it was for his life. And had Jonah not repented, Jonah would have died in that fish. But here we find Jonah now getting right with God. He sends Jonah to to uh, uh, Nineveh to preach this message. Let's go to Jonah chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. We'll read the whole chapter here. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Praise the Lord for the second time. Uh, because sometimes we don't always listen on the first time. Uh, and uh, uh, with that, God gives a second time here, a saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So God has a message that he wants these people to hear, and he is going to use his messenger to uh, proclaim that message. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding... 
city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Wow. They believed God. And proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Notice the order here. It wasn't from the least to the greatest. It was from the greatest to the least. Usually it's just the opposite when we talk about being receptive to the word of God. Usually it is the least of them. It's the poor. It is the needy that have a heart that is more receptive, less pride, more recognition of their need for the Savior. And that's often the case. Uh, but here it went from the greatest even to the least of them. Uh, for the for word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sack cloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything let them not feed nor drink water but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God yea let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Uh, uh, what do we find here? We find a national judgment was preached. The leaders listened to that judgment. Uh, the people responded, they repented and the judging hand of God uh, was stayed. Uh, it was stayed. God uh, withheld that judgment. Why? Uh, because they responded to the word of God. And here, the condition of the loss, uh, the message has got to go forth, but it's up to the individual what they're going to do with that message. These people, uh, they needed to repent. Secondly, I want you to see the commission to the saved. Jonah was commissioned to preach. Look at uh, verse 4. It says, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. Uh, notice here in verse number four, we have an eight word revival message. Eight words. And what do we find here? The people's response to the word of God was one of repentance. You know, Jonah was to preach repentance. He was preaching judgment. Uh, and you know what? Uh, in our day as well, uh, people don't like to preach judgment. You know why people don't like to preach judgment? Because people don't want to hear judgment. Pulpits are filled with messages patting everybody on the back, telling them how great they are and how good they are. And I'm all for an encouraging message. But the reality is, we all have a long way to, grow, to go. And if I don't see my error, I'm not going to fix anything. 
And here, Jonah was given a message, and Jonah not only didn't want like the message, he didn't like the people that he was sent to be a messenger to. He didn't even want to go and tell those people. Matter of fact, Jonah was upset with God when they got right with God and were spared. Jonah wanted them to be destroyed. Jonah was not happy with the results of, uh, of this uh, great revival that took, uh, took, uh, uh, that took place here in the city of, uh, of Nineveh. Uh, but many servants of the Lord uh, want a palatable message. Uh, they want an easy message. They want a low-key message. Uh, they want a lifestyle evangelism message. They want a lifestyle evangelism type of responsibility is that if I just smile big, and I, you know me, I'm all for smiling. But if I smile big and, and just live right, people are just going to see me and they're going to walk up to me and ask me what must I do to be saved. You know what, I've been saved a lot of years. And there, there have been some people that I have knocked on their door and they were ready to get saved. There's people I have, I have come in contact with where they said, I was praying for somebody to come when you knocked on my door. But I have yet to have anybody walk up to me and say, man, I just like your smile. What? I need to get saved. You know what? The reality is you don't find that type of evangelism anywhere in the Bible. We are to have the joy of the Lord, but the joy of the Lord is the blessing for the believer, and it will cause other, people's, other people to see and sense that we have something different than what they have, uh, but the reality is uh, lifestyle evangelism is not going to win this world to Christ. It's... It sounds easy, and unfortunately, the people that want that, they don't usually have the lifestyle to back up the evangelism. Nor would they have the tools to be able to even share the gospel if somebody did walk up and say, what must I do to be saved? I was listening to a, uh, a songwriter. He was, he was a Christian songwriter. Uh, Stephen Green, normally I don't call people's names like that, but Stephen Green, uh, and I don't know anything about this guy other than he has put out a lot of Christian uh, songs, and on Fox, uh, he had put out a song recently, and they interviewed him, uh, and it was about uh, being a child of the father, uh, and, and with that, uh, she, she asks him uh, right here in an interview, how does a person become a child of God? And he stuttered and stammered and jumped all over the place and finally started talking about, you know, my mom was adopted and she didn't have a father and, you know, I just hurt for her. She, he never one time opened up the love of God. He had a direct opportunity. And, and here, somebody that, that has had, has had, I don't know, I don't follow him, uh, but an individual who has put out uh, many Christian songs, not even able to communicate a gospel message. But the reality is, many Christians, if somebody walked up and said, what must I do to be saved? Uh, 
well, you know, come to church. And I'm all for inviting people to church. But the reality is, we have all been commissioned to share the good news of the gospel. And we've, we've got to be able to communicate that. Uh, we, we can't be content with uh, just allowing others to do it. Uh, we all need to be able to share the gospel uh, from the leadership with the faithful men. Uh, everyone needs to be able to share the gospel and needs to be sharing the gospel. The staff, the church, the school, uh, our teachers, our junior church workers, our Sunday school class workers, our bus workers, uh, our, our RU ministry, our moms, our dads, our teenagers, all of us need to be able to communicate the gospel with other people. This next week, we are going to have people that are coming in. And people are going to need to know, how can I be saved? You know what? They might not want to walk an aisle, but if you're sitting next to them, you should be able to talk to them. Hey, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Let me say this, it's not part of my message, but if, if we are not moving during invitation, a lost person won't move either. Believers, you responding to an invitation is also an opportunity to help other people have the courage to take that step and move forward. They don't know whether you're, you're saved. They don't know if you're coming to pray or if you're coming to uh, be an altar worker. They have no idea. But if nobody moves on a Sunday morning, that visitor's not going to move either. So as God's speaking to you during the invitation, you need to, you need to respond. Not just for yourself, though you need to respond there's also, there's also a component that it gives other people the, the courage to move when somebody else is moving. Somebody else goes forward, that makes them feel like, hey, I need to go, I know, I need to go forward. It helps with that. And then if you're sitting next to somebody, encourage them, hey, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Hey, I'll go, I'll go down with you. Walk them down. It's, it's vital. There is, do you remember when you were lost? Do you remember the first time you walked into a church? It was not your, your domain. You were, you were a little bit, you were, you were on guard. And, you know, with that, we need to break down some of those barriers, but to help people uh, take that step. So we see the, the commission to the saved. Jonah was given a message to preach, uh, and the Lord is saying, listen, there's not going to be a sign except for the sign of Jonas the prophet. So that sign had, had already been given. It was Jonah. Uh, we look at Jonah. What happened here? He's preaching repentance. Uh, but like Jonah, we want to sort of go the other direction. Because it's not easy. Thirdly, we see the connection to the Savior. Go back to Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew 12. We'll tie this all together. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. So here they are 
They are looking for a sign. They are looking to be able to put those pieces together. They're trying to, to find out, Lord, are you him? Master, are you the Messiah? And so uh, these individuals, they recognize that Jesus was master. Uh, and so they're, they're giving him honor, yet they're still looking for something from him. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonas the prophet, for Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What was, what was the sign? The sign that was going, that Jonas had preached, the sign that Jonas had lived was a sign that was used to refer to the, the time that the Lord was going to be in the grave before he was resurrected. Uh, the three days, the three nights, and the Lord would be in the heart of the earth for that same period of time. And just as Jonah uh, was brought out of the whale's belly, the Lord was going to be brought out of that grave. The resurrection was the sign. The resurrection was the sign. It was the sealed sign that God is saying, listen, you want to know if I'm the, re the uh, Messiah, you go look at the grave. You go look at that grave because three days, three nights, I'm out of here. Uh, and the Lord was just letting them know, just as Jonah was in the grave, or in the belly of the whale, three days and three nights, the Lord uh, was in the was it going to be in the heart of the earth for that three days and three nights. This was not a figurative uh, time. This was a specific uh, time frame. Uh, Genesis 1-5, God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God, verse number 8, and God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. Verse 13, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Over and over and over again, uh, God had a timeline. And God had a timeline for the Lord to be in the heart of the earth. For the Lord, uh, not only to be crucified was there a timeline, there was also a timeline for him uh, to be in that grave. Uh, Sunday, uh, the 10th day of Abib, uh, they would, uh, the 10th day of Abib, they would take that Passover lamb, and I addressed this a little bit this morning, uh, and they would choose that lamb, uh, and they would, they would watch that lamb until the 14th day, and then on that 14th day, uh, they would, they would kill uh, that lamb. Uh, we look at Palm Sunday, uh, what was it? Uh, Palm Sunday, today's the 10th. Uh, and so it would have been the month of Abib, April uh, the 10th, and that correlates with, let's go ahead and skip down to that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, chart there. If you look right up at the very top, uh, about uh, 12 to 1 there, on the outside is the Jewish calendar, and it's the month Nisan. Uh, then you have, it correlates with April. Uh, the month Abib was changed to the month Nisan. They changed the names in the calendar, uh, but that is the correlating month. Uh, Nisan and Abib were the same month. Month. And so when we look at uh, the Jewish calendar, when we look at uh, when the Lord was taken, that Palm Sunday, or when he was uh, set aside, it was all referring to that Jewish calendar, referring to the Passover, uh, when the lamb would be selected and it would be chosen. And it was going to be watched for, for the next four days. So from the 10th 
to the 14th, you have the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th. Then on the 14th, it would be slain. So you have a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday. You cannot get three days and three nights from Good Friday. There is, there is no way that, uh, that Friday was the day that the Savior was crucified because he was going to be three days and three nights uh, in the heart of the earth. And just to fulfill the prophet, the sign of Jonas, he stated that he was going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And we find that he did so. On that Thursday, uh, he was crucified. Uh, he gave up the ghost at 3 o'clock. Uh, that day continued until uh, sunset, 7.30. Uh, some say it was a little bit later. Uh, they say the average Jewish calendar uh, to average it was 6.30 to 6.30. Uh, the evening to the morning, the morning to the evening. And so uh, part of that uh, first day would have been on that Thursday. And then you have the full uh, night, Thursday to Friday, Friday to Saturday, Saturday to Sunday morning, completing those three days, three night periods of time and on Sunday morning uh, about sunrise what do we have the Lord has risen uh, Mary goes to the grave and the Lord was not there he had risen uh, after that three days that three nights and that would have been on Sunday morning and what a, what a blessing it is that we have we have a Lord uh, who is worthy of our uh, of our life, he is he is worthy for us to serve him. But here, that connection uh, that connection uh, was made because they were looking for a sign. They were looking to put those pieces together. And you would think that believer, you and I wouldn't seek a sign. But how often? Have we come before the Lord and we may not completely verbalize it externally, but internally, God, if you're really there, do such and such. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. And there's no sign coming. That sign has already been fulfilled. That sign's fulfilled. He's risen. He's not dead. He's alive. Give us a sign. God, my bills are high. I, I need your help. Give me a sign. God, my job is insecure. My health is failing. My children are wandering. My marriage is on the rocks. Uh, God, give us a sign. Prove to me that you really love me. There's no sign coming. He's already given the sign. He's already given the sign. You know, believer, how often have we heard someone that doubts the existence of God and their question almost always comes back, how could a loving God allow something so tragic to happen. You know, God isn't the author of sin. 
God wasn't the author of death. It is the consequence for sin. Satan is the enemy. But it always gets pointed at God. It gets pointed at God as it's God's fault that tragedy takes place. It's God's fault that our health isn't what we want it to be. It's God's fault that this, that, the other, fill in the blank. But the reality is, God is a loving God. God is a loving God. And He loves you. No matter what your circumstances are tonight, God loves you. No matter what the situation is that's right in the forefront of your mind, there's a lot. I can, I'm looking at eyes that right now are trying to process this because it's a battle that gets faced over and over again. And the Pharisees said, give us a sign. You know, for an unbeliever to ask God for a sign, that's one thing. But for someone who says they trust God, and for them to ask for a sign, it's something different. Now, I'm not saying that we can't ask God to intervene in our lives. I'm not saying that we can't come before God and ask for His help in our time of need. What I am saying is that God needs to come off trial. God's good all the time. Let's say that again. God's good all the time. He's good all the time. And, and you and I, we've got to recognize even in trials, even in hurts, even in heartaches, God is good. When things are going well, God is good. When things are not going well, God hasn't changed. My situation has changed. My circumstances may have changed. My heart condition may have changed. But my God has not. And I've got to make sure that I'm just guarding my heart to where I'm taking God off trial. God is not on trial every time a problem comes into our life. And you and I shouldn't be coming to God, well, well God, if you're really there, if you really love me, you're going to fix this. That's not, what, that's not how we are to come before God. It's not God give us a sign. It's God give me grace and help to endure what you have allowed in my life. We go to Philippians chapter 4. And what do we find? We find that God is there to give us peace. He gives us peace that passes all understanding that will keep our hearts and our mind through Christ Jesus. You know what? That peace comes from God. That's what keeps our heart and mind in check. When the Lord said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, we are to, we are to guard ourselves. 
And you know what? We need God's peace in our life. We've got to have that relationship with Him. And, and when we face the different uh, problems and when we face the hurts in life, uh, a loving God is still loving when hurtful things happen. Uh, we've got a young lady that's been coming. She came, uh, she got saved and baptized uh, a while back, probably about five months ago. And uh, on Thursday of this week, we had a murder down here uh, right in Triple C, uh, right here on Woodlawn, right next to Woodland. Uh, and there was, were, were, there was a, a 30-year-old man that was murdered. It was her uncle. You know, tragedy comes into life. Everybody at some point is going to face that. For some, it's going to be the death of a loved one. For others, it uh, might be problems with children, uh, random shootings, cancer, leukemia, uh, strokes, heart attacks. Uh, and, and we might, if we're not careful, when those problems come, we might be responding just like the Pharisees responded and say, give us a sign, God, uh, show me uh, that you're really there. Uh, do something for me so I will know you are present. And God, we've got to know that God's present no matter what he does. That's when Paul said, I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor principality nor power nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ. There's nothing that can happen that can separate us from the love of God. And we better grab a hold of that. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves saying, give us a sign, just like these Pharisees did. And the Lord said, you know who asked for a sign? An adulterous generation, an evil generation. That should not describe us. You see, the sign had already been given back with Jonas. But now we see that not only was that sign given, that sign was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled on that third day, that first day of the week. We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. What is it? The Lord rose again. We're, we're going to celebrate that this, this weekend. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. Uh, but at the same time, uh, He doesn't just live on Easter Sunday. He lives every day. Every day uh, he lives. Grab, grab your songbook. Let's, we're going to go ahead and sing a song. Uh, number 150. I guess there's no songbooks there, is there? Uh, and so 150. Let's go ahead and flip to that. If you would, I don't even know that I've got a songbook. I don't. All right, is there one there? We're going to sing He Lives. <clears throat> go ahead and put that up. Uh, I, I would say I would just use the back one, but I probably won't be able to see it all the way. All right, let's stand together. We're going to sing He Lives. He Lives. And, you know, as we think about this, we sing the song, uh, let's, let's allow it to impact our thoughts, our mind, not just singing some words. I serve a risen Savior. Ready? I serve a risen Savior.
tonight. He lives in your heart. And you and I, we need to be recognizing that he is alive and he is with us day in, day out. He has not left us. He's not forsaken us. No matter what the circumstances of life bring, brings, he is with us day by day. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, just to uh, to honor you and, Lord, to trust you. I pray that uh, we, would, we would recognize that we do serve a risen Savior and that you are alive and help us, Lord, to uh, not only believe it, but help us to live it. And so pray, pray that you would help us tonight. Speak to hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.